Welcome to the Highly Objective Podcast, where we talk to cannabis industry executives and investors and go into the weeds on recent news. How did that round come about? How long did it take? Uh, and then tell us more about the lead investor. Day, great being back on. Excited to catch up with you. Yeah, team is incredibly uh, pumped. Our investors are as well. The, this most recent round that we put together, we started working on towards the end of last year. And certainly like there are challenges in the private capital markets, you know, on the tech side generally and cannabis has really been, you know, traversing a really difficult period over the last 12 months. And so uh, it took some really you know, close relationships that we had with our investors, existing investors, a mix of a few strategic partners that came in to put together what is the sizable round. And really the theory, the concept for them is there are two or three players in this space and technology side. How do we create a balance sheet and a partner in LeafLink to our customers that they can all grow with. And so we're excited to pull this together uh, from some of our largest investors over the last several months. And, and then, you know, that $100 million Series D, obviously, as you mentioned, started late last year in this environment, very challenging. Um, so, you know, sort of CPMG, tell us more about them and, and sort of, you know, uh, it seems like the conviction that you're telling is, is probably from them and, and your current investors helping with that conviction, right? Right. Yeah, we had really large participation from our existing investors. Um, the the new party name, CPMG, that participated, uh, one of the partners there has been a really close advisor to myself, to the business for a number of years. And so, uh, it was a relationship that we've been developing over time, knows the space really well. And so I was excited to you know, formalize that relationship with the fund itself. And then, um, you know, Nosara, L2, a few others uh, that have been large players all participated to get it to this $100 million number that we, we've closed on. And then as a part of that round, there was a management change, you becoming exec chairman, already stepping into the CEO role. Uh, can you tell us more about why you guys chose to, to go with that? Happy to start from my side and then you know, great to really excited to have Artie in as a CEO of the business. Uh, we were, and you know, I've been thinking about you know, what the business needs moving forward. And with this decision, was really excited personally to lean back into the things that I did early when we were starting the business, like being in market with customers, spending a lot of time with regulators, giving them advice and guidance on how to build equitable markets, spending time with investors um, and other peer cannabis technology companies. And right now, I think there's more change happening in the space than maybe we've ever seen in the last six plus years of the business. And so for me to bring the most value to the organization, to our customers, to our shareholders, I was really excited to like, get back to, I think, what I do best. And when we brought Artie on almost a year ago as our president and COO, there was always a, a thought in my mind, like if this partnership works out and there's, you know, I think an incredible potential to really deliver, there's a new chapter that we're entering as a business. And with Artie's exceptional background, I was really excited to have us proceed to this next level with him as CEO and president, uh, because there's different challenges for the business. It's larger, the market's more challenging, you know, there's a level of financial diligence that we want to stay really close on as we approach break even. And so I was excited to have already take on that CEO role with me now sitting in the executive chairman position. Day, great, great to join you today. Um, look, I, I couldn't be more sort of excited about the opportunity ahead for LeafLink. My, my background is 
you know, for like the last 30 years sort of doing tech enabled subscription businesses. And, you know, it's, it really is incredible what the LeafLink team has built over, you know, the last seven years or so with, you know, what's today called a, a $5 billion, you know, wholesale marketplace with over 50% market share. And, you know, what we really need to do now is, you know, continue to work with our customers to identify, identify, you know, their biggest sort of pain points that they're experiencing and products and services we can bring to our platform that help them solve those pain points. And I think, you know, the, the market um, is at a place where, you know, a lot of operators have, have vertically integrated, um, you know, often out of necessity and kudos to them for the organizations they, they have, they have built. Uh, but I think what you're going to see is, you know, folks getting to a place where they say, look, I, I'm really going to focus on doing these one or two things really, really well. And if there's other folks who frankly have, have scale in certain areas, um, that they're going to look to to partner. I think, you know, my experience has been that that's what creates the healthiest sort of ecosystem in different industries that that I've seen. And so, you know, what we're going to be spending time is looking at, frankly, products and services that we offer today versus new products and services that we have in development and, and really going to market with sort of an, an architecture um, around their services such that, you know, folks can figure out the, the best suite of, of products for, you know, their particular needs at, at this point in time. So, you know, super excited about, you know, what's ahead. Our, our team is incredibly focused on operational execution after getting this, you know, financing done and, you know, we, uh, I personally couldn't be more excited. And, and then tell me more about sort of, you know, the, the business overall. So, you know, from a revenue segment standpoint, where are you guys today? You know, what are you doing more of, what are you doing less of going forward? Yeah, you know, so again, today, um, as I said, the, the marketplace is $5 billion, really don't get into sort of our external revenue metrics, but I think it's fair to say, there's two things about our marketplace that are that are different um, than other marketplaces you may look at. One is our market share is much higher than other marketplaces, you know, being over 50%. The second is we're under monetizing our products and services relative to other marketplaces. A lot of that is frankly um, on us as we think about, you know, um, bringing products and services that our customers really need to solve their particular solution. So we started with our marketplace solution. Now I think, you know, and we've had experience in payments and we've had experience in logistics and we've had experience in data and we've had experience in advertising and banking, but we haven't brought those together in, in sort of a holistic, you know, solution. So that's what you're going to see is, you know, sort of hyper-focus on, products that solve customer pain points and bringing those to, to market um, at a price point that delivers um, a tremendous amount of value to our customers at what we think is a, a very reasonable price point. What we've seen in some of the like regional leaders and, and national, you know, largest companies is 
They too are really focused on driving margin and specializing what they do best. And so with this full platform of everything we've created over the last six years, the approach is to go to them and say, you know, ABC company, um, where do you want to leverage the scale that LeafLink has and the efficiency we bring and the parts of your business that historically you've had to do today, but it's not really the you know sharpest tool in the in the shed for what you want to bring to your customers. And so the partnerships that we're that we have built with a lot of the most recently signed organizations is about really hosting for them that full wholesale order lifecycle at the components that they no longer want to have in-house anymore and really helping them take over that back office from the moment orders created, how for it's paid for, financed, and delivered all on LeafLink platform. Yeah. And, and, and can you go deeper into that? Like, so some of these MSOs, I assume that you guys are, are getting as customers, um, you know, why are they going away? I, I mean, I know the margin is a big point, but like what certain things are they saying? Hey, we just don't do this well at all. LeafLink, can you please do it for us? I don't think that it's, you know, an, an instance of, oh, we don't we don't do this well at all. I think with respect to the MSOs, what it is often is we they have a particular issue that they are trying to, you know, solve, whether it's, you know, a, a, a new market they've gone in where they need help, you know, for example, with transport is sort of a, a place where, you know, a lot of our relationships with the MSOs start. Um, and they, you know, it may be where, frankly, they have built infrastructure, but they need to sort of bring in some more infrastructure, and they're not looking to make that investment, you know, on their own right now. So it's really around um, sitting down with folks and sort of having a strategic discussion of like, what are your pain points in what markets and what it is, what is it you're trying to trying to solve? Um, and that generally leads to, you know, us. Um, offering some subset of our products and services on the MSO side, and then sort of expanding the relationship from there. Whereas more, you know, a brand from day one, they, they may have particular, you know, how do we get into more stores? How can, you know, you help us, um, you know, frankly, manage our inventory? How can you help us, you know, make sure you know, our, our payment terms make the most sense. So it it's really, it's not a one size fits all, but a, what are, what are the pain points we can solve? Yeah. So I think a, a good example would be Missouri. So is that one where an MSO maybe wants to have wholesale exposure to Missouri, but doesn't want to build the infrastructure. So you guys are helping them build out and partner with folks uh, to, to get their products throughout the state. And then on the flip side, is it, some brand that now is in Missouri that wants to get into all the Missouri retail, you guys would also give them data, help them placement, help them figure out sort of distribution. Yeah, I mean, um, in both of those scenarios, what we hear more and more from growing organizations or, or larger brands and MSOs is that, that they want consistency and they want exposure. And so one of the reasons, you know, I said earlier on, I think there's going to be two or three tech companies in the space is it's who has gotten scale up until this point and who can bring that to our customers as effectively and, and powerfully as we can. And so that's really I think what they're looking for. And so in a state like Missouri, yeah, I mean, looking at some of the numbers now, you know, we've two X our GMV from December to January and, you know, with the recreational GMV coming on as well, like these are all the things that they want to capitalize on that are already existing on LeafLink platform and why people want to participate. 
And and then uh, I'll have to ask you, since you mentioned it twice now, when you say there's two to three scale tech players, uh, are, are you able to, to say who those other one to two might be? I think there are a couple of really interesting companies on the B2C side, and there's a, you know, a compliance company that we really highly respect. And then I think there's a lot of other players that are you know trying to find where they need to fit in the larger story of those groups. Uh, and I think we've seen even over the last two or three weeks now, a handful of companies going out of business. And the sad reality is I think we're going to see more of that because you either were able to capture market share and bring in capital and keep your customers happy, or there's you know a less less ideal path that that these companies are going down. As the economy tightens across the economy, people are looking at their vendors and sort of saying like, how do how do I consolidate vendors, particularly on the tech side? Um, it's difficult to manage sort of multiple vendors. And so to the extent, you know, you can have one or two providers that can, you know, bring to you significant, significant um, products and services that it just doesn't make sense for you to build on your own. I, I think that's where, you know, you look at most other industries where they, where they tend to shake out. And on that point, do you guys look uh, to like a different marketplace company that you want to sort of emulate here on, on, on cannabis? Yeah, you know, it, it, cannabis, as uh, you know really well, is it's it's just different from any other marketplace company. You know, if you think about us, we we effectively run thirty different marketplaces, given you know the um, unique sort of federal and 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 state issues. I I think that if you if you look at the best in class marketplaces out there, what they what they do a really good job of is starting with the customer pain points and sort of building their product suite and services around that. And there are unique pain points in our industry, whether it is, you know, fulfillment and logistics, whether it is payments, whether it is banking, whether it is how do you, you know, market your brand to the right retailer at the right time that, you know, whether it's getting access to data, I think those are, you know, from where we sit on our products that where are things that we think we can be really helpful to our customers on. And do you guys have like a rank order today of those pain points? Like what are your top three or five that you're, you're seeing customers face? I, you know, I think the ones I just hit are really yeah, sort of in, in those order or are some, you know, more, more important than others. I think it really, again, it depends on, you know, the, the customers, I think, you know, things, for example, um, like fulfillment is, um, you know, generally a, a pain point amongst more the the small and medium size operators. Most of the MSOs have gotten into that business um, out of necessity. I think you know. Um, I think there's ways that we can help them, and we've begun to have a lot of conversations with them and in different markets around how we can be most helpful. I think certainly things like banking and and payments again are are sort of a universal issue but probably felt more more amongst the small and 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 medium size um customers um data is again i think a place where you know a lot of our customers um are feeling pain so 
you know, th those are ones that, you know, I think we're most set up to be successful in helping them sort of solve those problems. And I just want to understand a bit more when you say fulfillment, you mean like distribution, right? So like, how do I as a brand get products consistently delivered to my retailers? Yes, it can be, it can be um, transport. It can also be, look, we will handle the warehousing for you. We will handle, you know, your inventory management solutions in addition to so what I'll call like the last mile delivery. We can help with, you know, facilitating payment. So I, I think about it as, you know, um, broader than just like we can, we can move product from point A to point B. Yeah, it's really right. about completing to that that e-commerce experience from the moment order is created all the way through, and then people you know can over leverage or lever more some elements of that journey of of the transaction depending on what their needs are. And are you guys getting to the point where you're sort of helping with like order replacement? So so when something's about to go out of stock, can you inform someone on a reorder? Can you also inform them yeah. on product mix? That's ideal. One of the one of the things that we're like really excited about looking forward is this concept of predictive ordering. And we know companies spend a lot of time, you know, historically, three years ago, it was probably there's new brands every single week. And what's the coolest, newest product that we could put on our shelves, be competitive to the shop across the street. And now it's more about like where um, you know, where could they drive margin and, and grow their business and have a dependable position on a shelf that their customers can rely on consistently. And so for us, a lot of this predictive ordering concept is if we can centralize where brand and retailers store their product within partner warehouses and then leverage the data that we have on throughput rates for retailers, we can set up a world where your retail or retail chain gets a certain delivery every day, Thursday at 4 p.m., let's say, uh, based on hitting par levels of the products you have. And that's step one. We, do, we already do that. Second step then is what other products would sell well in your geo and your zip code as it would be. Uh, and what we want to do is really help bring tools that some of the largest retail organizations have outside of cannabis to every participant of all different segments in the cannabis vertical. I'm curious on that same tool. Can, can you inform someone that's like, um, you know, let, let's say they're an edibles company. Hey, you should now really target, you know, this date as your next date because you'd do really well. Do you guys help brands with, with sort of that sort of targeting? Yeah, uh, quite often we have uh, data tools that some of our largest customers utilize and look at that help them price discover and even like category discover in certain states when they open up. And um, yeah, people absolutely love that that solution as part of the Think platform. Great. And then, you know, I, I want to go back to the, the 5 billion of wholesale that you see, which is, you know, anywhere from 50 to 52% market share of, of wholesale uh, in, in legal cannabis. Um, is that, that's not necessarily what's being processed through your platform. That's more so what you guys can, can see is being ordered, right? So while if that order is being done manually, and when I say that, I mean like by email, is, is that counting to that $5 billion number or you know, no, the only, the only, the $5 billion number are all of the orders that are fully processed on LeafLink platform. So if, if someone were to submit uh, an order over email, for example, whereas I think some companies in the space would count that as their GMV, we do not. Uh, and so for us, it's really just if the order was created on and lives on LeafLink, does it count towards our GMV? 
And does that mean then uh, you, you have maybe a guess on a number that you're maybe not capturing then? And, and that number should be, you know, a billion or two higher or what, what's the thought things you're not capturing? I, I think really, you know, the way we think about it is there's probably, again, about $10 billion of wholesale transactions in, in the marketplace today. And, you know, um, a lot of them, to your point, are being done offline, not on other marketplaces. Um, you know, there are some other marketplaces out there, but, um, you know, we have the the lion share of, of marketplace transactions. And so, you know, we feel confident that we should be able to continue to sort of grow that overall market share um, by frankly, bringing what these offline transactions onto the onto the platform. Next, you know, since you guys are based in, in New York, um, you know, where, where do you guys think about the New York market and, and how it's developing? Obviously, slower than, than most who anticipated. Um, how's LeafLink sort of attacking and approaching that market? We've, yeah, we spent a lot of time here uh, helping as best we could, you know, local regulators, governor's office, mayor's office, because it is our backyard. And we want to make sure we can bring them all the things we've learned, successes, failures that we've seen in other markets. We're really bullish on New York for a number of reasons. I mean, the general size is one. It already has a, a very large and functioning illegal illicit market that we you know, hope converts to regulated and legal. And we're also excited about the whole push around equity licenses. And there's a ton of challenges there on operationalizing those businesses. And the state is like leaning in some really interesting ways. And so our goal is to support them, help bring them these technology tools that allow these businesses to, again, do one or two things really well, leverage what we've learned, the technology we've created to hit their own goals. And um, I think, you know, for New York, one of the things that we want to begin making more noise around is there is still a lot of illegal activity happening. And we've seen this in California, but the capacity of the government to actually enforce illegal activity and force against illegal activity in favor of the legal market coming to be is something that we're, you know, very focused on and otherwise, you know, here to here to partner and help all the local small operators that have gotten off the ground over the last few months. And, you know, there's not a ton of, of, of brands or vendors to choose from today in the New York market, but as you know, that comes online the next year or two, um, I, I kind of want to better understand what the, the sales point is for someone to start getting on the LeafLink platform to transact on it versus trying to do things manually. That is one of the key sort of advantages that um, we, we bring to a brand, which is for them to have the ability to, frankly, market their services to you know, as wide a group as retailers as, as possible. Um, and, you know, you will, we, we've, we've been super successful with that in other markets and New York should be no, no different there. One of the things I am excited about though, is you're going to see us, um, you know, basically relaunching our, our advertising product into the, to the market um, over the next few months. And that's something where, again, that brands, you know, will have the opportunity to sort of increase their their exposure to to retailers. So it it's just, you know, such a step change difference between, you know, frankly trying to build a brand offline. It's just really, really difficult to do. 
And we've seen in some states on the East Coast too, people will lean more into certain parts of the platform like logistics, like fulfillment earlier on, because in their mind, if there's not a lot of buyers and not a lot of sellers, if there's only two recreational shops like there are in New York, they're really more dealing with these operational challenges. And so they'll lean on those tools that really are about the order management life cycle of a transaction. And then in time, as the market gets more populated, there's more supply uh, and, and more demand, then we can begin to grow with them. We've seen this happen in, in a few other markets. It's a little bit different than our historical, like lead with the marketplace. That's you know 90% of our markets, how it's gone. But for some of these newer limited license markets, that's what we found success. And going back to the advertising piece, do you mean like if, if I'm a brand trying to get in front of buyers in New York in, in a year, I'm going to pay in order to, to make sure I'm front and center when buyers from dispensaries are, are going around looking for things to purchase? Yeah, that's what that is one of the um uh ways that folks will be able to use our 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 ads platform. Got it. Um, and, and next, since you guys see so much data and you guys put out an insights report, which you know I, I check out every time it gets dropped, um, what's kind of what kind of things are you seeing right now in, in the overall state of Canvas? You know, what are companies doing to to help them sustain and, and win in this environment? I think overall, you know, look, one of the things that we're we're seeing in in different markets is. Um, you know, what you saw in 2022 was price degradation across, you know, different markets really having a lot to do with um, oversupply and, and offering, you know, retailers, um, you know, making price moves to, to gain market share. Um, what we've seen, you know, over the last sort of 30, 90 days is um, a good bit of stabilization in markets, and then frankly, in other markets, some meaningful um, tick ups in in pricing in those markets. As frankly, there wasn't as much investment available to them last year when they were bringing on sort of cultivation um, capacity. So I think in some instances, folks are still working through oversupplied inventory. In other places, what we're seeing is, you know. That those overages have already begun to work through, and we're seeing pricing, you know, recoveries and and more move to stabilizing to you know slight uptick in pricing. And again, each market is um, is is similar, but that's what we're seeing. I think you know the other thing is just again, um, you know, having a strong brand is really, really important. And those brands um, have been able to, I think, um, you know, separate themselves from um, at times other brands in the in the marketplace. And I think, again, um, I think you're going to continue to see brand building as, you know, a really important next um sort of step in the, in, in the market and, and folks who, you know, really want to um, have sort of clear sort of strategies and vision around, you know, what, what they want their brand to, you know, stand for. Yeah, I think I've, I've heard it's, it's a combination of some of the smaller cultivator looks uh, going away, but I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on this, but I also heard it's potentially, you know, 
things from California, let's say, or certain states being diverted to New York, let's say. So prices are, are actually increasing because of this you know, rampant illicit market in New York where there's 1,400 illicit dispensaries. Um, is that kind of what you guys are, are thinking and seeing as well for why prices are, are going back up? We don't we don't see those illegal transactions obviously on the platform. They're more we're just uh, thinking. Yeah, but you, I mean, it's what you're saying is there are definitely out of state brands on shelves of illegal dispensaries in New York. Uh, but we also know, you know, that's you know more subjective. Objectively, we've gone from like 80 million square feet of growth space in California to I think like low 60 million. And that's over the last six months. And so I think with some of the supply beginning to tighten, hopefully that has like a, a positive effect or a more stabilizing effect on the pricing. Predictions for 2023 or what kind of advice you'd give to, to partners uh, based on what you guys are seeing in the data? You know, look, I, th I think um, one of the biggest things for the, for the market is really... Um, you know, working with our regulators to get the illicit markets under control. I think we've seen in California what happens when you don't get the illicit markets under control. And I think there have been a lot of learnings from other states as they're seeing, um, you know, their markets come on that you, you know, just making it legal and not fighting the illicit market is is in in many respects makes makes things worse because it's very unclear who are the licensed brands and the licensed retailers in in that market. So, you know, um, I think for example, New York is Ryan and I's home state. You know, we're um, super bullish on the prospects, but also know how important it is, you know, to get those markets under control. And I'm I'm hopeful that frankly, given, you know, if there's any good thing that comes out of some of the pain points in the industry in 2022 is that regulators, you know, continue to sort of partner with the industry, that we really move to um, legal and licensed are, are, you know, go hand in hand, um, as opposed to the way we've been, you know, seen regulators manage it in some instances to date. And as hard as as hard as the last twelve months have been for everyone in the space, I do think the industry is going to be better for it. Twelve months from now, we'll you know have shaken out. I think a lot of operators that may have overstayed their welcome, and it's time to you know run tighter businesses with proper margins that are profitable. And at the end of the day, you know we're we're excited to support over like twelve thousand licensed businesses on LeafLink, but there's certainly concentration amongst larger players and how viable those movers and shakers are is lends a, a larger, larger, you know, component to the overall numbers that we track closely. Got it. Makes sense. Well, thanks for joining. Really appreciate catching up with you guys uh, so soon after the series D. Yeah. Thanks again. Thank you.